0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now.
1: Straight
0: up to a On this Friday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hello, Gambo! Burnsy, what's going on? It's Friday, these last two weeks have just been like, man, paper and
1: fire, man, just whoosh, flew right by, right? You know, it, it was odd to do a show yesterday like we did, like, in the 90s. Like, you know, let's...
0: There we go. We just kind of we were just winging it. Oh, yeah. For anybody who didn't really know, yesterday we
1: were totally <laughs> just
0: winging that show, like almost segment by segment. What I are we going to talk, talk about next? What are we going to talk really about now?
1: Prepare for it because you didn't know what Gannon was going to say, and you know, your KD yep. with the press conference, so that didn't start till two. So we kind of, you know, kind of winged it. You know, back, uh, you know, back in the day, in the, the old sports radio day, you would. You know, I can't remember like me and Ash doing a show like, okay, oh, we, we started talking about the sun. You would just talk about him until you didn't want to talk about him anymore. If It took an hour. It took an hour. <laughs> it took an hour and a half. It took an hour and a half. And then when you were done, you were done. You move on to something else. Yeah. Like you were just like, but well, just stay with this. We'll just keep like, you know, and just. It also
0: helped when you took calls for an hour and a half too, right? Like well, back in <laughs> those days, we took
1: calls. Yeah, I Don't take <laughs> yeah. calls anymore. But yeah,
0: I took calls. Uh, some people do, but uh, it's not not too many markets do that anymore as much as people might want us to do that. So yeah, yesterday was a was a fun day, fast moving day. Man, that show felt like it was done and over in 45 minutes we had so much to talk to so much to talk about so much to react to today there's still news out there there's still tough to talk about maybe not as busy as you know kevin durant jonathan gannon introductory press conference but we got stuff to talk about let's roll up our sleeves and tell you what's going on in sports top story of the day Burns and Gambo. The way in Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Paul George into the forecourt. He and Terrence Mann have led the way for the Clippers with 26 each tonight. And he'll dribble out the final seconds. That'll do it. And the Clippers win it. Final score 116-107 to 107 here at Footprint Center. And with that, we are done with the Phoenix Suns for the next eight days. Their next game is... Next Friday against Oklahoma City, a game which, by the way, has conveniently been picked up by ESPN. Boy, that's odd. Ain't I wonder, some, I wonder why, why I wonder why. Ain't that something? Ain't that something? <laughs> ain't, that something? <laughs> ain't, that something? <laughs> ain't that something, DeAndre? The uh, ESPN just decided to randomly pick up a Friday night game between the Suns and the Thunder. Now why, yeah, why would they do that? Shake
1: down the Thunder. Let's go. Because <laughs> okay. that's probably when KD's gonna play. Probably. It's probably the debut of Kevin Durant. You gotta have that game. You can have that game on uh, national TV, uh, the debut to. of Kevin Durant. You have to. What's With going on in these? <laughs> Mitch Whoa. is emptying the uh, the
0: clip when it comes to all of his sound bites that he's gotten there. Um, let's talk about last night, though. They lose to the L.A. Clippers before mm-hmm. going into the All-Star break. Um, and there was— a, I, I They didn't like, play well.
1: No, they didn't play well at all. No. They didn't play well at all. Nope. Didn't play well at all. I mean, it's just a rough night for Book. Shooting, it was terrible from three point range. One of six. He had five turnovers. A DA couldn't grab any rebounds. Listen, and it wasn't like you were getting killed by Kawhi Leonard. He didn't score his first basket until with three minutes and 58 seconds left in the third quarter. He only had 16 points, but Terrence Mann was killing him. Like, he was everywhere. He has incredible athleticism, and Paul George made a lot of big shots, too. And, you know, the Suns. You know, they they, they, they they hung around. They hung around. It was a close game. It was back and forth. And, and eventually, they got on a little bit of a roll. And once they pulled away, they were able to, you know, they got uh, they got a big basket by George to make it 105-98. Then man drove and made it 107-98. And then they just kind of built on that. Then Kawhi was able to put it away with a basket to make it 111-103. So Suns were hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. But in the end, the Clippers made that run at the end to pull, yeah, pull, pull
0: and, away. and they did. They Every time you thought the Suns, we're going to get back in it enough to be able to pull away. L.A. would just do a little bit more to keep that game out of reach. Now, afterwards, Monty talked about how he, he thought, he, in retrospect, he played too many guys last night. I thought from my perspective, I played too many guys tonight. It's hard to, for guys to get a rhythm when you're playing that many guys. And i got to settle on a rotation so that guys can get used to playing with each other. But that's also kind of a byproduct of how new this roster is, right? Like, if you're Monty, of course you want to try out different guys. Of course you yeah, want to exactly. see Unless how Unless your name's play. Darius Basley. Yeah, he's the only one. He was the only DNP yeah. last night. Damian Lee got eight. Spizmac got 12. Saban Lee got eight. Chuck Landale got four. TJ Warren-ish. Wainwright. Terrence Ross got 25. And i good. tell you what. He was good. Terrence Ross, mm-hmm. not shy. 17 no. shots in 25 minutes last night. That is yeah. Terrence Ross
1: in a yeah, nutshell. He took it to another level when Monty said, if you're open, shoot the ball. I think he thought Monty said, anytime you get the ball, shoot the ball. Because he was shooting it. Koji like- was great. Koji was great for them. I was. There, I thought he was their best player. Yeah, he was. six threes thought- career high, right? I thought Josh Koji was the best player on the for the Phoenix Suns, continues last night.
0: to defend well. Continues to, I think, make a case for himself to be the fifth starter. Now, I, I, Monty has said in the past that it's going to be kind of matchup dependent. Tory's obviously got more experience, and it's probably going to be Tory. But I think a Kogi is the best guy you've got on the roster to kind of replicate what McKell did defensively. And as long as he's not going to embarrass you out there offensively and yeah. become such a liability, I think he's the guy. I I watched that game. I, I want to know what you think about this. I I, I watched that game last night. And I didn't include this in my email because I just thought about it when I was kind of driving in. That game, I think, is exactly why the Suns felt like they needed to go get Kevin Durant. And let me explain why. Okay, Devin Booker got trapped a lot last night. They were clearly trying to take the ball out of his hands. He was kind of sloppy with the ball with the five turnovers. And on a night like last night, pre-Kevin Durant was a night you'd need Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton to step up and fill that void. Neither one of them were able to do it. DeAndre Ayton was, he was okay, you know, I mean he had, Zubats killed him on the boards I mean, what do you have, six offensive rebounds when he Zubats, was in there, and oh, DeAndre only had six total. Yeah, six total, and he had six offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. DeAndre scoring the ball was just alright, not you know, not, and Chris, what, two for eight on the night when it was all Sunday sudden done, I know he passed Michael Jordan on the all-time steals Two for eight had 11 assists. And congratulations to him on that, but on a night like last Last night, you – okay, Book is being eliminated from the game plan. Who is going to fill that void? DeAndre Ayton couldn't. Chris Paul couldn't. And I think it's the fear of having nights like those – that sort of drove the Suns to realize we got to do something else. We got to do something better because we we saw nights
1: like that last or last year. Well, they were the working season. on they were very much working on Mikhail Bridges being that guy before the trade. They were they were working on Mikael being that guy, being the scorer. I mean, that's part of the reason he probably went for forty five the other day. You know, for the Nets is that they were you know with all the injuries they were saying okay let's let's see if we can establish uh, Mikael as that third scorer. Let's see if he could be that guy. And then if you're the third scorer, then you could take some of the burden off of Book and Paul, and if, if those guys are out of their game. And, you know, clearly, you know, you know Book was out of it last night. Six out of 16, one out of six from three. Uh, he did have nine assists, but he had five turnovers. So they got a little sloppy with the basketball. The Phoenix Suns did, and the Clippers kind of took advantage of that. So I do think that having Kevin Durant is, yeah, I mean, because that's – Because yeah, you've got another guy. You can't stop everybody. You can make a concentrated effort to trap one guy or double one guy or press press Chris full court but Kevin Durant can handle the basketball. He can score from anywhere. I mean, that's, that's what's going to come in real. And, and once he gets going like that, you're going to switch off to, okay, what do we do to kind of stop KD? And that will free other guys up. Yeah,
0: and and, and I mean, look, it, it, you're right. I'm glad you brought that up about Mikel. Had Mikel been on the floor last night, maybe he would have been that guy to kind of pick up the slack. They were but working the, on that. But there were just too many times over the course of this season and even last year's playoffs where, man, if, if the other team can figure out a way to kind of eliminate Book, okay do you have enough? And at times this year, at times last year during the playoffs, the answer was a resounding no. Bowl game 6 and 7 against the Mavericks, the answer was no. You, d- you didn't have enough. You just didn't yeah. have enough guys who could pick up the slack. And then the question became, do you want to trust Mikkel Bridges with that, or do you want to trust Kevin Durant? And then when you boil it down like that, it's the easiest question of all time in the NBA. Of course, I'd rather trust Kevin Durant in a moment like that. So, for the Suns, now, uh with that loss, they
1: they go into the All-Star break, what, fifth in the Western Conference right mm-hmm. now, I believe. We right? had a poll yesterday. We had a poll question yesterday, and it was like, you know, where do you think the Suns are going to finish? And, um, you know, I, I was pretty adamant that I don't think that they can get past, to that they can get to two, just because I think the difference is that it's, now it's six games in the lost column right. between you and Memphis. But there was some, you know, can they get to one? No. Three, sure. Three because they're only, you know, a couple games out of three. Right now they're fifth. They're, they're, they're fifth right behind the Clippers by a half game, but the Clippers have a game in hand. They could pass the Clippers and they could pass the Kings. I don't think they get to the Grizzlies, because that's six games, and you've got fifty six you only have twenty two games left to make up six games. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this. Like they're not going to try to win every single game they play. Like they're going to have to be strategic. Kevin Durant hasn't played in a while. Like it's coming off an MCL. It's a knee injury. You know, you're gonna be you're gonna be smart with Chris Paul and Devin Booker and those guys—you got four back-to-backs. I counted them. Four back-to-backs to where you're not going to want to play those guys like that, you know, right before the playoffs. So I—I I don't think that they're going. Uh, for for they're not going to catch the Memphis Grizzlies, so I think the best the Suns could do is a three or a four seed. And I don't think they need to kill themselves
0: trying to get you know if they end up with a five seed, as long as they so what? as long as they're six, six are better. Really, that's all I care about. Would you like home court advantage? Yeah. Is it essential? No. As long as you stay out of the play-in tournament, I think you're fine, Monty. In the meantime, all these new bodies, he's trying to figure out his rotations a little Tonight, bit. Tonight, we're just searching for combinations that could allow for us to get a rhythm. Um, but I. Did Didn't give T.J. enough of a a run. D. Lee got in later than he typically does. Um, Biz and Jock back and forth. So I got to settle on, uh, like I said, about a nine and a half man group so that we can get a good team rhythm um, going forward. And what's interesting about that, if he settles into a nine and a half man group, he's going to be leaving out some guys. Right, yeah, I mean, course. some and I know that's the business, but there's there's so many options to who those nine and a half guys are going to be, and I don't blame Monty for trying to figure it out a little bit because he's got some new faces he's got to deal with.
1: Yeah, and but you've got time, you've yeah. got time to figure out. You know, if, if, if you're going to give, Dari- you know, Darius Baisley looks like he's going to be an odd guy out that he's not going to play, and you know, you've got got to make this decision on Ish Wainwright. Uh, you know, now that he's you know uh, fulfilled his contract and decide whether you're going to keep him or not or go after the Kevin love and we'll talk about that in a little bit but you know mine has got to figure out the rotation now the head coaching search is over for the arizona cardinals it is time for
0: jonathan gannon to find his coordinators the latest linked names there are a bunch of them we'll tell you about them next burns and gambo
1: burns and gambo afternoons on arizona sports the local sports leader
0: all right, so if I'm not mistaken, I got four offensive coordinator known names and two defensive coordinator known names. Does that sound right? Sound right to you, Gambo? I don't know. You tell check me. Check my math. All right. Well, yeah. you know what? I'll, I'll check. You do my, the math
1: on this show. I'll, I'll
0: check my own math. You do the on math. This one. The four offensive coordinator candidates that have been reported: Drew Petzing. The quarterbacks coach from actually five. Now there's a fifth offensive coordinator guy, um, Drew Petzing, who was going to have his interview today. He's the Browns quarterbacks coach. There's saints running backs coach, Joel Thomas. There's commanders wide receiver coach coach, pardon me, drew Terrell. And I was right. There's four. Cause the fourth, was just added today. According to Jonathan Jones of CBS, the Cardinals have requested permission to interview Bengals wide receiver coach Troy Walters for their offensive coordinator position. So I got four offensive coordinators, and then the two defensive coordinators that we know about so far are Patriots defensive line coach DeMarcus Covington and Dave Borgonzi. From the Chicago Bears linebackers coach. Right, for you want Chicago. to start? Pick one. Uh,
1: Let's start with the Patriots start guy. Start with the Patriots guy. Sure. Young, 33 years old. This will be his first interview for a coordinator job. There's a connection there with Monte Austin They 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 their paths crossed. When Monty was in New England and was the director of college scouting, so he knows him. But Covington's young. He's 33 years old. Demarcus Covington, young guy. He was the uh, defensive coordinator for the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama okay. in January. But the connection to Monty makes a lot of sense. He's a young guy. Um, been with the Patriots since 2017. So, like, learning from Bill Belichick in that system, you know, for five, six years, that that's a big deal. So, um, again, I think... I think that this is a name – he's never had an interview like this before, but this is a name that, they, that obviously Monty knows him, something about him he likes, and they're going to interview him for this job.
0: Yeah, it would certainly seem like Monty might have been the one to bring him to the table, just as it certainly seems like Borgonzi is a guy that Gannon would have brought to the table because those two served together on the Indianapolis Colts staff from 2018 to 2020.
1: Right, and and uh, Matt Eberfluss, the, the coach in Chicago, he's had, he's had him with him for five years – Four of those years uh, in Indy and then this last year in Chicago for Braganzi. Um, his brother is uh, in, with Kansas City, the Chiefs in the front office, just got a Super Bowl ring. But this is a guy that, again, no, you know, Gannon knows him. Uh, he's, he seems to be a quality guy, linebacker coach. Uh, he was also at the Senior Bowl as well. But, uh, you know, a lot of experience and another guy you look at and you say, okay, this is somebody worth at least interviewing.
0: Now, what we don't know about either one of those is is something that Gannon had talked about yesterday during his press conference, in which he had said, I haven't decided whether I'm going to call plays or not defensively. Right. Depends and, on who he hires. And, and he said, it depends on who I hire. Now, I don't know, you know, if he goes with Barganzi, is he more likely to let him call plays because maybe he's been around a little bit longer and he's been doing a little bit longer? I don't know. Is it less likely if he? He hires DeMarcus Covington to be – I have no idea. But that is one of those – it's always – look, anytime you get a new head coach, that's always one of the first questions you have for the guy, right? Like with Cliff – it was non-negotiable. He was going to call plays for the Arizona Cardinals. The only time it ever came up that he might not call plays for the Cardinals was about halfway yeah. through this past season when he hey, look, he would said, if we'll look into it. If I think it'll make a difference, then I won't call plays. That was it. That was the only time Cliff ever talked about not being the play caller. It's always an interesting kind of step. For a head coach, when he gets that first job, do I still call plays because that's what I'm comfortable doing? Or do I trust somebody
1: else to do it on my staff so I can step back and just be the head coach? I I think, you know, Borgonzi would be a guy that you would allow to call the plays. Um, he was a big name on that Bears staff. He'd worked with Levante David and Quan Alexander with the Bucks. He had success with Shaq Leonard and, and Anthony Walker and Roquan. Um, he's worked with a lot of good linebackers. So, and again, like you mentioned, I mean, their connection on that Indianapolis uh, Colts staff, you know, goes back a few years when Gaddon was the defensive back coach and Borgonzio was the linebacker's coach. So obviously they know each other. They worked well together. And, you know, now that Gatton's a head coach, he seems to have a position for him. I would think, so I would think Borgonzio would have a we would have a good inside tracker. Maybe get in the defensive yeah. coordinator job. Now,
0: as far as the offensive coordinator position is involved, I, I mean the leader in the the reported leader in the clubhouse continues to be Drew Petzing. Everybody seems to make it sound like it's it's gonna be his. I'll read this tweet from Albert Breer from last night: The Cardinals are interviewing Browns quarterbacks coach Drew Petzing for their offensive coordinator job today over Zoom. He's been at the top of Jonathan Gannon's list, and as we said earlier in the week, is a front runner for the job. Arizona could soon have its OC. The other three names Joel Thomas with the Saints, Drew Terrell, a local guy with the Commanders, and then the new name that was reported today, Troy Walters from the Bengals. I was thinking in particular about Terrell, given that he's a local guy. Okay. Eric B. Enemy had his second interview with the Commanders today. He's in all likely, and I know we're both disappointed because we would have liked to have seen Eric Bieniemy here to be the offensive coordinator. But I do wonder if you can, if you're interviewing Drew Terrell to be your offensive coordinator or to take a position for you when he gets let go from Washington cuz they might be adding a new offensive coordinator in B enemy. Not that he would want to get rid of Terrell, but it might open the door for him to be able to leave if he wanted to. So maybe maybe you're looking at a secondary position for Terrell here if he leaves the Commanders when B enemy gets the job. I
1: would think that yeah, you're probably onto something there because it does look like, you know, Pedzing you know, has the inside task. And again, I think one of the things you like about him is that he was a quarterback's coach, right? I mean, he was a quarterback's coach. So from that perspective, you know, you want somebody that can that can help you and assist and work with Kyler Murray. I mean, you know, they the whole press conference yesterday was a lot of Kyler in there. The whole thing about Kyler being a oh, lead yeah. and his unbelievable talent. And he was a hard guy to coach. So you're going to want to bring somebody in as an offensive coordinator that has experience working with coaches. And, and he was you know, the quarterback's coach there. So it does make some sense that, he would be the guy for the job. Now he's been rumored to be the guy from the job from before Gannon even got the job. Right. So I don't know that there's anybody else that could get it. We've talked about some of the other names you mentioned, you know, Joe Thomas and Terrell and guys like that. But I would, I would think that they've got their eyes on drew unless something changes. John Deshazeer,
0: He's a senior writer for new Orleans saints.com. He was on Wolf and Luke today talking about Joel Thomas, the running backs coach for the saints, calling him the straight shooter that Kyler needs. Well, I,
1: I don't know. Kyler Murray personally, obviously, uh, I just know what I've seen and read about him, but if if I'm if I'm reading the the room correctly, he needs a straight shooter, uh, somebody who's going to feed it to him, you know, and and tell him exactly not just what his what his pros are, but you've got to be serious about what your cons are. You got to be serious about what what the deficiencies are, and you've got to work on them. And I think that's one of the things that Joel Thomas can bring to you. Now that's going. to I be, just think like he looks like a guy that would beat Kyler's ass, so I'm all for it. You know. I mean, give me that guy. Give me him. Look at him. Look at him. He's a – when he's got the full – that's a mean-looking son of a gun right there. That guy's walking down the street and he decides to walk on the other side of the street. You might just – you might see him come and be like, ooh, I'm going to walk on the other side of the street. that's a – like, you know, so I like that. I'm all – I I like that. I mean, he seems to – listen, there's a lot of good things being said about him too, Thomas. So he would – he'd probably have to – if he was to beat out – Pets think for the job, he would have to blow it away in the interview. But there's a lot of people that are very high on him as, you know, as a future coordinator in this league. Look, I mean, we we talk about this
0: offensive coordinator's job and how important it is, and it is. It's vitally important, but just as vitally important is that Kyler Murray buys into the offensive coordinator, right? Like that Kyler Murray, it's it's the true definition of a two-way street, okay? And hiring this offensive coordinator is going to be a massive hire, but Kyler buying into the philosophies, and then, and I heard Tim Ring talking about this earlier, he was filling in for Luke today, and he's right on the money. I mean, Gannon's got to make sure that that is truly a two-way street in terms of, Kyler, this is what we want you to do. Kyler, you know, listen to this coach. Be willing to be coached by him. Change your game for him. Petsing, understand who you're kind of working with here and understand sort of the, the personality that you're going to have to to manage when you're doing this, right? So there's going to be a lot of ego juggling when it comes to this. Kyler's got to be open to whatever it is that Petsing or see,
1: Joel Thomas or whomever has a yeah. hand off on him. You see, it's why I was everything about the press conference was great yesterday. I think the, I think Gadden came off very well, very well spoken, good plan. I love the violent part, the adaptable. I loved everything he talked about. The one mistake I think was made is the elite level of Kyler Murray. The way they talked up Kyler Murray so much I would have broke Kyler down and then built him back up because I think that's what you have to do with Kyler I don't want to just take Kyler from where he is right now I want to break him down and build him back up again because everything that they did to work him to this point that's not enough that's not good enough that's not who I want him to be I would basically start over and I would have came out I would have said look our hope one day is that he'll be an elite quarterback in this league he's not there right now but we believe he's got the talent to be He's got to put the work in. You know, we're going to get him the right coaches that are going to push him and make. But I would have taken that. It's the one thing I'm disappointed in the press conference. But I think Michael kind of led that with the elite quarterback comments. And then obviously Gannon with the elite. Look, he's not an elite quarterback. Kyler Murray's not an elite quarterback. Yeah. We hope that he will be someday. I, it's the only thing I have issue with. I wish I would have they would have taken that approach.
0: Very interesting. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, well, first let me remind you, we've got, and maybe you're listening to us in podcast form right now, we've got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe on your iPhone and your Android, just like all your favorite podcasts. You'll never miss our show. The Burns and Gambo Show brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Ish Wainwrights or Kevin Love? Who'd you rather have the rest of the way for the Suns? That's next, Burns and Gambo. The Burns and Gambo need to know
1: Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford.
0: Happy Friday to Eric Ruby, our afternoon contributor. He's got our poll question today. No idea what it is, going in completely blind.
1: Surprise me, Eric. What do you can't got I can't believe us? it's Friday, Burns, and what I've got for you lines up with our segment right now. Ooh, we call that synergy. The question is... Ish Wainwright has played all of the available games on his current two-way contract. Would you rather have the Suns sign him or Kevin Love to their final full-time roster opening?
0: (laughs) Kevin Love. Kevin
1: Love. Sorry, not sorry. Ish Wainwright. Okay. Why? You know what, they've changed the, you know continuity, chemistry, you've already got so many guys that are out, like Mikhail's out and Dario's out and Cam Johnson is out and you're bringing in new faces and I just, I'm a little worried about too much. So really, that's a, Actually, that's a really good argument for
0: Ish. I, I, it really is. And, and I'm, I'm only being so quick triggered when it comes to Kevin Love because I just think it, as far as a connector on the floor, his ability to kind of make all these parts work together, I think he'd be really, really, really good with that. So I would I would say Love, but, but that's a really compelling argument for Ish. I can't deny that.
1: I'll let you guys dive into this a little bit more after I tell you that 64.5% not rolling with continuity saying bring Kevin Love to the Valley. 35.5% say stick with Ish.
0: Yeah, he's not... I mean, I mean, make no mistake, Kevin Love's not the reason why you're going to win a championship, right? It's just a question of, you know, does he want to be here and how much better is he than Ish? Ish has done everything imaginable to earn and, and be rewarded with that final roster spot and having his contract converted, but... Now's the time to do it. They're, they're out of games. They can't play him another game unless they convert his contract to a standard one. Um, the whole conversation, thank you, Eric. Appreciate it. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Brian Windhorst on ESPN yesterday when talking about Kevin Love's impending buyout with the Cavs brought up the Suns specifically, so keep an eye for him.
1: A team in the Western Conference, though, that I'd keep an eye out for, the Phoenix Suns. Mm. The Suns have been doing some background research into Kevin over the last 24 hours. And don't forget, James Jones, the team president, was teammates with Kevin Love when they won the championship in 2016 with the Cavs. The New Look Suns have a roster spot, have a bunch of money they can still pay to free agents. So keep an eye on the Suns as a contender for Kevin Love. Now,
0: what wasn't included in that video, but what Windhorst had said earlier in the video, was that the, as a condition of his buyout from Cleveland, they might force Kevin Love to go to a Western Conference team. The Heat are the one that is reportedly okay. interested in Kevin Love, and the Cavs don't want him going there because that could be the first-round matchup. So it's almost like a, we'll buy you out, Kev. we we'll yeah, let you go where you want to go. You know,
1: you know everything about us. We don't want you to come back and, and hurt us. Right. So you got to go out west. where The west. only
0: time we would meet you would be in the NBA Finals. What do you think about Kevin Love? What are your thoughts about this?
1: Yeah, my thoughts are, you know, he's 34, 35 years old. He's clearly not the same player that he used to be. Do you have a role for him? I mean, is is he, than, you know, is he a better player than, you know, Bismack Biambo? Is he a better player than Jock Landale? My, you know, my thought is that anybody you're getting at this point right now, it's, you know, the Terrence Ross, that was a nice little pickup. A lot of the buyout guys don't work out. I'd be, yeah, I'd be you know, I, I don't know that, you know, Monty's talking about just going down to nine guys. If you got Kevin Love, does, does he does he force his way into that nine? I would assume. I would assume he You would does. think he does?
0: I would think he does, yeah.
1: I would think he does. Yeah, would you not think he does? I, I don't think he does. I mean I don't you know I don't think that I don't think that he would break the nine. I, I think he's a he'd be an insurance policy, but I don't think he'd be a guy that would break a nine man rotation. Uh, so I, I
0: did this the other day um and I didn't include this in my email to you, so I apologize for that off of the but we're talking about nine guys, right? Nine, nine and a half guys. Yep. Okay. So just so I have it all in front of me. Durant, Booker, Paul, and Ayton. That's obviously your guys who are gonna play and play a bunch come playoff time. Okay. okay? That's four. Okay. Which means five of the following 12 are likely getting decent playoff minutes. You ready? Uh huh. Payne, Craig, Ross, Ish, Warren, Baisley, Biombo, Landale, Shamit, Sabin Lee, Damian Lee, Joshua Kogi. Only five of those 12 are probably going to be contributors. Now, to me, I look at that list and I say is Kevin Love good enough to be one of the five? I answer in the affirmative. I think he's good enough to be
1: one of those five. I don't think so. You don't think so? No, I don't think Kevin I don't think Kevin Love aged very well. I mean, listen, okay, look, okay. he's not the same guy he was right. five years ago. I'm not
0: making okay. that argument. I, I'm just saying in terms of the things that he still does well, mm-hmm. I think that would fit this skill set very well. So
1: this isn't like the Cleveland Cavaliers are uh, one of the worst teams in the East and they've got no use for him. Let's let him go play with a the contender. They're the, they're a four seed right now oh, in yeah. the East. You would think they'd want him, right? But that's that's my point. I, and it's a good point. My point is point. that... A team, a team that's a top four team in the East has no use for him. He can't play. They're buying him out. That's on a team that's like the twelfth best team in the East that says, hey, you know what? Let's give you an opportunity to go play somewhere and win." Because obviously, we're not. Kevin Love is barely playing. He doesn't. He doesn't get a lot of playing time on that team. He's he's played in forty one games. He's got three starts. He's averaging eight point five points and six point eight rebounds. I. You know, I understand, like, you know, to, to think about the uh, Kevin Love and who he used to be mm-hmm. four or five years ago is one thing. But this is a Kevin Love that he's shooting 35% from three-point range. That's his lowest in – that's his lowest since, like, 2012. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't – I don't believe that Kevin Love could break that rotation. I don't. So for me, I'd rather just keep Ish, let him He'll work hard. He'll play hard. This continuity there, this chemistry. You don't want to change too much. So I understand people that like the name in Kevin Love, but that's, that's, it's just the name. He's no longer the player people remember him being. No, I,
0: and and I, I assure you, I am not selecting him because I think he's the player that he used to be. He's not. But I, I and I, I am also like you, and I'm glad you brought this up. I'm very intrigued as to why Cleveland's just letting him walk. I mean, it's not like Cleveland's bad. What, why is well what's the story there? Why is Cleveland can't, letting him walk can't away? guard anybody it, it, Slow and def- he's gotta play the five. He can't play the four. Yep. Defensively, he's a major liability out there. I, I totally uh-huh. get it. But in terms of that, you know, that was one of the things and maybe you know, look, make fun of me if you want. That was one of the things I loved about Dario. When he was out there on the floor, he always knew where the ball was supposed to go, right? Like he just had a feel for offensively what they were trying to do. He was a very smart dialed in basketball player. I think Kevin Love can still do that, which is not to say these other guys can't. Can't I just think that that if if you're Monty, you're gonna spend a lot of these last twenty games trying to figure out of these twelve, who are the five guys who are gonna play come playoff time? I think if you get Kevin Love, you don't have to worry about it as much. You've got one guy that you know is gonna be it. And let's be honest. Terrence Ross is gonna be a guy who's probably gonna play come playoff time. Campaign is probably gonna be a guy who comes who plays come playoff Damian time. Damian Lake. Damon Lee,
1: Josh Kogi. I, I mean, you, you, the spots I are getting filled stop. up
0: really, really
1: quick. Bickerstaff had love. I mean, love went out of the rotation for that guy Wade. Like he could, like he got pushed pushed out of the rotation in Cleveland. wasn't playing like other, like they had not have any use for him. Like I, like you know me, I'm a big believer now. Like the vast majority of buyout guys don't make that much of an impact. There's mm-hmm. a reason these teams are buying these guys out. Bickerstaff took him out of the rotation, he wasn't playing. He got, you know, beat out by uh, by Dean Wade. I you know, they they couldn't trade him. Were, so nobody wanted to trade for him. Nobody was like I'll give you a second round pick for Kevin Love. Nobody even did that. They would have loved to have traded him. He was out of the rotation. He wasn't playing. Yep. Somebody give me anything for Kevin Love. What do you want to give me for Kevin Love? I'll take it. Nobody traded for him. Nobody Because I don't think he could help anybody anymore.
0: We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening with him. Very interesting, though. And and look, an easy connection for Windhorse to make. Now, he's reporting the Suns have been doing their homework on Kevin Love, but a very easy connection for him to make, too, with the James Jones connection, right? Like, that's yes. almost automatic. Yeah, The two play together in Cleveland. They know each other very well. That's a very easy landing spot connection to kind of make if you're connecting dots and in you're in your Brian Windhorse with a story like that. The 35th annual Arizona Renaissance Festival has begun. It lasts each weekend until April 3rd. We're giving you the chance to win a family four-pack of tickets. Visit the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win. With an alum in the house... They scored just two baskets in the final six minutes. ASU, yeah, they could have used James Harden last night. That's for sure. They could have used a whole bunch of stuff last night. That's next on the Burns and Gambo show.
1: Burns and Gambo, Arizona sports, the local sports leader.
0: The Devils can point to a bunch of things as to why it turned out the way it did. There's the horn. Our final score, Colorado 67, Arizona State 59. I love the fact that the song that Mitch chose to play on the way back was Last Dance by with Mary Jane by Tom Petty. Last Dance? Not
1: going, they're not doing any dancing. That's the point. Yeah, Last Dance. Yeah. Bye. Never mind. No, that's it. I mean, put a fork in them. It was a, what a, what a terrible end to the season uh, for ASU. Chris Cartman had a great tweet last night. For a Sun Devil source said, the most disappointing thing about this, the way this season's unfolded, Frey has used that the Pac 12 was a mediocre league that might only get two tournament bids. Right now, they're only getting UCLA and Arizona. And says to have the best conference start since 1980 81, followed by losses in six out of nine, including four at home, is really deflating. It's been a terrible. Stretch these last few weeks for ASU basketball, sure just absolutely, and it culminated last night with a loss to Colorado. And Colorado's they're not really good, so you lose at home to Colorado. That's a team that doesn't play well on the road uh, at all. They came in, they were one and eight on the road coming into the game, one and eight on the road, mm-hmm. and you lose to them at home. Like you got to win, like you got to win every game, and so now it's basically. You got to win the Pac-12 tournament, or you're done. That's it. You're not getting in any other way. You're not. They're not. When you look at bracketology, they're not first four out, next four out. They're not. they're, They're out. They're out. Like they're yeah they're
0: nit they're out and and it's it, more frustrating given that James Harden was there more frustrating that Eddie House was there uh, more frustrating that they were outscored seventeen to three in the last five minutes of that game I mean yeah. completely fell apart offensively absolutely completely and, and I think if we're really hitting zoom out now. The big-picture question is going to be Bobby Hurley, and, and, I mean, he's been there a while. There has been sporadic success, certainly nothing consistent, certainly nothing lasting, no deep tournament runs, nothing like that at all. You brought a story to the table. Now, albeit it was two, three weeks ago, and we were you know in the throes of a whole bunch of other stuff. He's we did talk seat. about it a ton, but, yeah, kind of wondering, is Bobby
1: Hurley, is this a hot seat year for him? Is he going to be on the hot seat after this season? And, three, and I, four years in a row not going to the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, obviously the pandemic in there, but he's been in Arizona state since 2015. That was his first year. Has it been that long? 2015, 16 oh. was his first year at ASU. 15 and 17 is first year. 15 and 18, 20 and 12 made the NCAA tournament. 23 and 11 made the NCAA tournament. Then 20 and 11, 11 and 14, 14 and 17. And this year, just 18 and nine. It's, I, you know, I mean, is he on the hot seat? You've you've just got to consider it. He's been here for a long time, and um, you know, they had a great opportunity to make the NCAA tournament this year, and they fell apart. I mean, it might at some point you've got to talk about whether it's time for a new voice for ASU basketball. Yeah,
0: and and I feel like we've had this ASU basketball conversation. I mean, we've been together what eleven years, twelve years now. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about this a couple of times. That that okay, can you do better than Bobby Hurley? That's a debatable question. Should you try to do better than what you're doing now? You should always try, right? You should always strive to improve and be better. But if we're just looking at the whole entire history of ASU basketball since we've known it, it's a very... Very difficult place to consistently win at. It has always been a very difficult pl- place to to get wins, to get tournament appearances, to get traction in the market. Right, like to get that mm-hmm. kind of stickiness that you're looking for out of your sports teams, where it's really going to stick to your psyche. Man, men before Bobby Hurley have come and tried and failed. And so I, I I always agree. Hey, look, if you think you can do better, you should always strive to do better. If you think you're not getting enough, you should do more. I just don't know if this program's ever gonna do better than this, or better than what they've been over ten years, twenty years, thirty years. This is
1: who they are. It is who they are. Cambo, this is who they are. Yeah. This is who they've always been. Yeah, Bobby's got a Bobby's contract comes to an end in 2024. So this after this season, you make that you know do you, do you extend them or not? You're not gonna extend them. You're not gonna extend the guy. No. Um, you know, and I think he'd be better off. You know, looking at jobs back east, would he you know, would he take the Georgetown job if it opens up? Would he take the St. John's job if it opens up? You know, he might you know, he might be better back east. I mean, that's home. You know, Jersey, you know, recruiting base. I think he could do a lot better there than he can here. He's had a long run here. He's been here for a while. Um I think he should be on the hot seat. I think the way the season has unfolded, you know, for, for them to fall apart the way they have Um, Not to say that the players are tuning him out, but it's just it's it's not working. Like whatever they thought they were going to get out of Bobby Hurley, it's just it's just not there. ASU is they are what they usually are. They're very mediocre at best college basketball program. Yep,
0: And you just don't know if somebody else who comes in is going to do any better or any different. Tomorrow at 1030 in the morning, Arizona time on CBS, the selection committee will reveal its current top 16 seeds for the NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. So, kind of give you a case. Selection Sunday is a month away. If it ended right now, this is what it would look like. Here'd be our top 16. U of A just beat Utah last night. Tumellis yes. struggled again with the fouls. He was pretty non but because you Teresa know had a good game. And, yeah, Teresa and played well. Uh, Ramey had a good game last night well. Ramey as played well. Pella
1: yep. Larson played well. They really took control of that game early. Won it easily. Avenged the loss that they had early in the season to Utah. By the way, Utah hasn't won in Tucson since 1986. I think you were in high school then, right? I we was in high school. school. Yep, yeah, the last that. time that Utah won in, in Tucson was 1986. Sophomore, Corona. At El Sol's Just wonderful. goes to show you, what a, great, you know, what a great home court advantage that is for the Wildcats. But yeah, they played extremely well. I expect that they are going to be a two-seed when this comes out right now. I think they would have been a one-seed had they not lost to Stanford. If they didn't lose to Stanford, I think they would have been a one-seed. But I think the way it plays out right now, they'll be a two-seed based on five really good wins, including a win against Tennessee. Yeah, the question that they
0: ask in the story in The Athletic when it comes to Arizona, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know the answer because I don't, but they asked the question. Uh, they expect Arizona and UCLA both to be two seeds tomorrow when they release these 16 teams. Which one gets priority for the West region and gets a second weekend stay in Vegas and which one gets to go fly out somewhere across the country?
1: It's hard to Who's look at it. the
0: better spot. Well, right
1: basically. now U of A is U of A beat UCLA. Mm-hmm. So they have a win against them. The, the, the problem that U of A has, they, I think they have better wins than UCLA, but UCLA has better losses. Arizona's lost some games that they shouldn't have lost, so I think that's the problem. You look at their four losses; two of them are against you know teams that aren't even in Quad One. So you look at the losses for UCLA does not have losses like that. So. Um UCLA was in a tight game with Stanford last night. Did they pull it out and win, do you know? I why? It was I know. I, what, why I was uh, no, why I was I was paying attention and then it just got late and I was I was I was watching the Suns game, Suns game. UCLA
0: 64
1: Okay, so they pulled away. It was a hard-fought game for a while, UCLA and Stanford. So they won that game. I think that I would give the edge to UCLA just because I don't, you know, they don't have the the same losses. Uh, but if you want to make an argument for a- for Arizona, you would make the argument that they've got better wins. Better wins, and they beat UCLA head-to-head. And they we'll beat see. them head-to-head. Yeah, we'll see. But they're going to play each other too, one more time, too, as
0: yeah. well. When we come back, the Phoenix Suns opponent last night, a very unique one. Are there other teams in the Western Conference just like the L.A. Clippers? We'll tell you what about them makes them unique next on the Burns & Gambo Show.